What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live episode of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. I want to start off by saying a huge thanks to all of our listeners, subscribers, viewers that joined me for the live watch along of Arsenal's most prestigious, most important fixture of the season, a clash with Olympic Lyonnais in the Dubai Super Cup. Wow. Wow. The Dubai Super Cup really, really is something, isn't it? Something special indeed. It's so special that they make up their own rules that you have to have a penalty shootout regardless of the outcome of the game. In what world do Arsenal batter a Leon side by three goals to nil, be completely dominant throughout and then have to play a penalty shootout for shits and giggles or in this case for an additional point uh, to add to their tally as they continue on in the competition. Well, we had the penalty shootout and it wasn't short of entertainment. So I guess it wasn't that bad, but we'll come on to all of that in a little bit. On this edition of the show, we're going to be breaking down Arsenal's performance against Leon. We're going to be talking about some of the takeaways from it. We'll be discussing some of the individuals and we'll be getting some of your thoughts as well, of course, from the live chat box. Uh, don't forget to leave a like on the content. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you are new, we are now less than 300 subs away from that 25,000 landmark that we are desperate to get to sooner rather than later. So if you are new to the channel, if you are a freeloader watching without being subscribed, what on earth are you playing at? Get involved. Leave a like, subscribe. You know the drill by now. Um, thank you in advance. OK, let's talk about it then. So Arsenal, 3-0 winners. Very comfortable afternoon at the office for the Gunners in the... Um, Al Maktoum Stadium. Uh, Arsenal, of course, came up against a, a Leon side who have some decent players in it, you know, has some uh, names that we're very, very familiar with. Um, you know, we're talking Alexander Lacazette, Jeffrey Adelaide played a part as well in the game. You know what? Just just quickly started on Lacazette, right? Listen, I I liked him when he was at Arsenal. I I thought that, you know, he was the best of what we had at the end and he was the one that cared the most and he was the one that gave it absolutely everything. It's just unfortunately for us, he wasn't good enough to, you know, give us what we needed. And I think that's become even more apparent since Gabriel Jesus came in and basically showed us all of the things that we've been missing with Alexander Lacazette for all that time. Now, Arsenal's blunt attack last season, shall we say, was not just down to Lacazette. You know, Aubameyang, even when he was playing prior to all the disciplinary stuff, wasn't pulling his weight, you have to say. Um, you know, some of the players in and around the centre-forward weren't contributing anywhere near as as much as they are now. Uh, the midfield wasn't contributing anywhere near as much as it is now. So Arsenal's improvement in attack is down to a number of things, one of the biggest being Gabriel Jesus. It's not just because we got rid of Alexander Lacazette that everything's become better. So... 
I, I get annoyed when I hear people sort of really shitting on him. Like he, he wasn't good enough to take us to that next level. He was a great servant to the football club. He gave his all every time he took to the field of play. And I think he deserves at least a bit of respect. But watching him today, and I know it was a friendly, and I know you shouldn't read too much into these things. But watching him today, you know, it, it almost made me feel a little bit sad. Like he just looks so off the pace, so off the boil. He doesn't look sharp enough. He doesn't look fit enough. And he looks very much like someone who the game has passed by. And, you know, maybe in Ligue 1, you know, it won't be such an issue. Maybe against the level of opponent that Leon will come up against most weeks, it won't be a problem. But I just looked at him today moving around the pitch and I thought, you know what? Yeah, there was a tiny part of me that was sad to see you go. There was a tiny part of me that felt that just because you'd been such a great servant, maybe we could have held on to you and kept you around for maybe one more season as a backup to Gabriel Jesus or somebody who could come in and potentially impact games off the bench. But you could really see it today, I think. You know, it's, I don't want to say old age because there's players much older than Lacazette that look much sharper than Lacazette. But I don't know, it just, it was, yeah, it was almost sad to see Alexander Lacazette in that state, in that way, at that level, a level which is far below the level that we know that at times he he reached for Arsenal. Um, but yeah, is what it is. We'll get into the Arsenal stuff in a little bit more detail in just a second. But I do want to say some hellos. Uh, big hello to Chloe Lewis, who says, Dubai Super Cup. You'll never sing that. There you go. That's a new chant uh, for the terraces. The Dubai Super Cup. You'll never sing that. Love it. Uh, James Bond says a nice warm up game. And he also says you did great with the commentary. Uh, thank you so much. Um, it, it wasn't really commentary. It was a loose explanation of what was occurring and unfolding in front of me as I watched the game against Leon. And we have plenty of you guys um, in the chat box uh, watching it alongside me, which was great. So thank you. I think we had over 11,000 people uh, pop in during that show, which is amazing. Um, yeah. And uh, so thank you. Also, do you know what? I'm going to say it on here as well, because I said it on the, the live stream. So it wouldn't be fair of me to not open this up to everybody. Um, when I went into the stream, the live stream, the live watch along of the game, my intention was to run a competition throughout the duration of the stream, put a question to you guys, get people to send in the correct answers. And those that did, uh, I was going to gift them two months free membership on our new membership platform, which is anotherslice.com. You can find the link in the description. Head over to the website if you want to join. You create your account. You follow the instructions that are in the description, basically. You create your account. Then you log in with your account, and you can subscribe to the Chronicles of Aguna and get access to our premium content and some amazing things that are coming your way. And then as the show kind of went on, I went, do you know what? It's Christmas, man. Like, screw it. It's Christmas. Christmas is around the corner. Let's not bother giving it just to the competition winners. Let's not bother giving it to those, um, you know, who have got their uh, trivia questions in their heads already and are, and are very good and quick off the mark. Let's just gift it to everyone. So if you sign up to join uh, the Chronicles of Aguna podcast premium on anotherslice.com, as I say, instructions in the description, I will go log in at the back end over the weekend and give everybody two months free subscription, whether you're an existing member or not. So if you are already with us on another slice, then don't worry, you're not going to miss out or be penalized because you're already with us. I'm going to give everybody this uh, two-month discount so you get free membership for two months and see how you like it. You know, after two months, if you feel like it's not for you, then no problem. I know that it's a difficult time right now. I know that we're building up to Christmas and I know that there is a cost of living crisis. Believe me, I get letters pretty much weekly 
uh, from the energy companies telling me that my direct debit's going up. So yeah, I know how it feels, but if it is something that you feel is worth your while and something you'll enjoy, because we've got to do the things we enjoy, right? Uh, then please do check it out. Okay, let's discuss uh, the game. Let's discuss the performance. So the team that Mikel Arteta started uh, was, of course, um, Carl Heiningal. Um, He was the goalkeeper in between the sticks. The back four was Cedric Suarez, Rob Holding, Gabriel and Kieran Tierney. In midfield, it was Mohamed Elneny. Um, and then it was uh, Sambi Lekonga and Martin Odegaard. Fabio Vieira started from the right. And on the left-hand side, uh, we had Reese Nelson uh, behind, of course, Eddie Nketiah, who was leading the line. And I guess going into this, all eyes were on Eddie Nketiah. You know, Reese Nelson is someone who's obviously battling for a place, fighting for a place, trying to, I guess, show Mikel Arteta that actually, despite what the fans want, despite what the uh, general consensus is outside of the club, we don't need to bring in a new winger. That's what Reese Nelson's mission statement would be, right? It would be, you know, I need to prove to Mikel Arteta that actually he can trust me and he doesn't need to go out and bring someone in who's going to go ahead of me in the pecking order. Um, and, and I thought Reese Nelson was, was pretty good today, actually. I thought it was quite impactful, quite effective. Some nice touches. He hit the post as well in the first half. He came close to opening uh, the scoring on the night, which was, you know, desperately unlucky. He was he was desperately unlucky. I beg your pardon to see his effort come back off the post. But as I say, I think all the talk was around Eddie and Ketia because obviously we've been rocked by this Jesus news. Obviously, we know that we're not as good a side without Gabriel Jesus in it, okay? There's there's no question about that. The things that this guy can do, the things that he brings to the table, not even talking about goals, by the way, just everything else, the the tenacity, the the movement, the, the flicks, the tricks, the dribbles that really put defences on the back foot. I mean, how many times this season have you seen him pick it up and almost slalom through three or four players and make a moment and create a moment and, and cause havoc? That's what Gabriel Jesus is all about. And to be without that is undoubtedly a blow. But the big question is now, is can Eddie Nketiah step up? And is Eddie Nketiah a good enough cover, a good enough player to fill that void and at least tick most of the boxes that Gabriel Jesus ticks so that we can have as little disruption to our game style, game plan as possible? And hopefully, off the back of that, continue the impressive form that we saw, of course, before the World Cup break. I looked at Eddie Nketiah before this game today, and I, I obviously I was watching it on TV, and as was everybody else. I'm not out in, in Dubai. Um, I, I looked at Eddie Nketiah's face when there were close-ups of him, and I, and I saw someone who looks focused. I saw someone who, okay, won't be happy that his teammate's out, won't be happy that Arsenal as a group are now weaker going into a really important part of the season. But we'll probably be looking at this as an opportunity, okay, more than anything else. Is this pressure on Eddie Nketiah? Yeah, there is a bit of pressure, but all good things in life come with pressure. All the good things that you can possibly succeed in have some sort of pressure attached to them. And you'll never go outside your comfort zone. You'll never progress if you don't at any point take on pressure. And Eddie Nketiah will be looking at this and saying, this is my chance. This is my opportunity I have to take it. I have to grab it with both hands. And as I've been saying over the last few days, we will have question marks as a fan base, myself included. But at the end of the day, Arsenal, Mikel Arteta, the man who we're lauding at the moment, the man who we're all in love with, 
because of the job that he's done at our football club. And Edu, the other one that we're all in love with, the other one that we're all lording over, the one that we'd love to have a barbecue with, have decided that Eddie Nketiah is sufficient cover. They gifted him a £100,000 contract. All right, maybe gifted is the wrong word. He's obviously earned it by impressing them. But they gave him a £100,000 a week contract when they could have just let him walk away for free in the summer and use that £100,000 a week to try and lure in maybe a more accomplished striker, maybe someone who on paper has a better history, has had a better career to date, has scored goals perhaps abroad. Because £100,000 a week in wages, when you exit the Premier League bubble and look around Europe, is a lot of money. And you could bring in quite a good player for that. Okay, you'd have to fork out on the transfer fee. But I always think it's the wages that kill football clubs more than individual transfer fees. So Arsenal have decided that this guy is good enough, in their opinion. There has to come a point where, as fans, when we see the progress on the field the way we have, that we have to almost just say, you know what? I do have my own personal reservations, my own insecurities about what this could mean and about how this will pan out. But ultimately, we have to trust these people who have made mostly correct decisions thus far that they've tr- that they've got this one right as well and that Eddie Nketiah can do this job. And what I saw today was a player who wanted to perform, wanted to shut people up, wanted to give his manager signs of encouragement um, going into this period in which he's going to be the main man. And and I thought that Eddie did that for me today. He did. He scored a goal. Um, you know, it was a it was a really nice Arsenal move. It was the second goal. Uh, the ball broke to Lokonga in midfield. He looked up and he saw uh, Fabio Vieira on the right-hand side in acres of space. He picked him out with a first-time ball. Great ball from Lokonga, you have to say. Vieira takes it down superbly, drives towards the penalty area, looks up, spots Eddie Nketiah in a better position with the outside of his boot, just guides it across the penalty area. And Nketiah, calm and composed, okay, not under any pressure, but calm and composed, opens up his body and steers the ball into the far corner to add Arsenal's second. It was like a Thierry Henry style finish. You know, the inside of the boot, guide it into the far corner, brilliantly done. Now, outside of that, I thought his movement was good. I thought he showed a willingness to run channels. I thought he picked up the ball and carried it a few times and did what Gabby Jesus does when he likes to, you know, get on the ball, but not just, you know, it's not necess- it's not necessarily going to lead to a blockbuster defence splitting pass. But what you're going to get is you're going to get a situation whereby the forward has the ball at his feet and that attracts people. That attracts centre-halves. It attracts defensive midfielders, all into an area whereby if you can then hold the ball, hold on to the ball in and draw them all in, if you can then play even the simplest of passes, you create advantages for your team. You create spaces, you create situations from which your team can take advantage. And Eddie Nketiah did that a few times today. Now, I know this is a friendly, I'm not getting carried away. I know that Leon aren't the best opposition in the world. You know, I know that this is something that he might not necessarily be able to replicate week in, week out in the Premier League. But we have to give this guy a chance because we've given him the contract that suggests that he does have a responsibility in this squad and that the club feel that he can step up when needed. We can't sign anyone until the January transfer window opens. And even if we did, 
move to sign a striker in the January window? What would be the chances of getting that deal done on day one? We are going to go through a period of time now with Eddie and Ketia playing at centre forward. So instead of sitting there moaning about it and crying about it and whinging about it and talking about how Mikel Arteta and Eddie got this so horribly wrong and how this was always going to happen and now we're doomed and the season's over and we're not even going to finish fourth, as I've heard from some ridiculous people over the last few days. How about we get behind the guy? How about we support the guy? How about we back Eddie and Ketia to go out there and deliver what the club clearly believe he can? And how about we back him to go out there and take his opportunity with both hands? That's where I'm at on it, okay? Yeah, we'd all love a top elite level striker to be able to come in off the substitutes bench, but it's not always as easy as that. For how many years have Tottenham lacked a good centre-forward option? You know, and I'm talking about as an alternative to Harry Kane for years and years and years. And you know why? Because nobody wanted to go there based on the fact that they knew they wouldn't play. It's not always easy to have elite backup players. You've got to be in all competitions. You've got to be in all the best competitions. You've got to have the money, the funds, the, you know, the the sort of ambition to be able to accommodate having such a big squad of, you know, of brilliant players. And, and Arsenal are not there yet. Maybe we'll be there in a couple of years' time. You know, maybe there'll come a time where we're competing right at the top of the Premier League for the title. And we're also, um, you know, hoping to go into the latter stages of the Champions League. In which case, today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill things might look different. But right now, this is where we're at. You know, Martinelli's an alternative. A lot of people have talked about that. There's a possibility that we might see that at certain points if if it, A, doesn't work for Nketiah or if he was to pick up a knock. Emil Smith-Rowe is on the path to recovery, which is obviously good. But yeah, look, I'm not saying that you should go crazy over Eddie Nketiah's performance in a friendly, in the very prestigious, as I said earlier, Dubai Super Cup against Olympic Lyonnais. But what I am saying is that we've got to back this guy now. And we've got to hope that in this period of time where Arsenal are obviously at a training camp, that Mikel Arteta can spend a lot of time one-on-one with Eddie Nketiah. Because we know this is coming now, right? This is not Jesus picks up an injury on Friday, he's out for the weekend, and you've got a day to, you know, think about what you're going to do with it and, and think about how you're going to tackle the situation. This is very different. We know that when we return on Boxing Day, we'll be without Gabriel Jesus. And Arsenal, on this training camp, have an opportunity now to get Eddie Nketiah up to speed, to get Eddie Nketiah uh, to where he needs to be, 
to spend the time with him one-on-one to, to sort of educate him that little bit more tactically if we if we need to, to show him videos of the things that Jesus does so effectively and the knock-on effect that they have and the impact that they have. Because I always think when you want to get someone to do something, for them to understand the why is, is the first thing and it's the most important thing. If you understand the why and then you believe in something, you are more inclined to put that extra bit of effort in, I would say, to make sure that you're doing them uh, in the best way possible. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I took encouragement from his performance today and, and I'm going to back him and I'm going to support him and we'll see where we where it takes us and where we end up. If it doesn't work, I'll say it's not working. You know, I'm not afraid to do that, but I'm just, I am afraid. No, afraid is not the right word. I don't want to knock players and shoot players down, um, especially our own players, before they've had a chance. And and this season, Eddie Nketiah hasn't really had a chance, has he, in the Premier League to play with the best Arsenal team. Forget what he does in the Carabao Cup. You know, he's got duds around him. Forget what he does in uh, the Europa League because, you know, the intensity of some of those games has been really, really low. And again, all right, maybe duds isn't the word I should use, but there are players in those teams and in those games, involved in those games, that aren't of the level of the players that he's going to be playing with in the Premier League week in, week out. And if you take that small sample we saw at the back end of last season, Eddie Nketiah with the first team is a much better player. So let's see where we go. Okay, that's enough uh, in Ketia loving. Um, Fabio Vieira, we were having a discussion on our live watch along about him. You know, what does the future hold for him? Is he good enough? I, I think he still divides opinion among a lot of Arsenal fans. But what is abundantly clear is that from a technical standpoint, purely, this guy is unreal. He's brilliant. He's a great passer of the ball. We saw the technique in the build-up to... Uh, obviously the second goal and then the third goal was an absolute rocket from him from outside the box from a similar position to the one he scored from against Brentford in the Premier League into the top corner goalkeeper absolutely no chance and that essentially puts the game to bed I still think that playing from a wide area is probably where I see Fabio Vieira fit into Arsenal right now because I don't think that physically he's up to playing as one of the eights I think in a game where you're chasing it and when things are getting a bit desperate and you, you know, you're quite willing to take that risk and maybe abandon that little bit of additional stability, um, then, you know, yeah, throw him in as an eight. But for me, I still think he's going to do his best work for Arsenal right now um, from those wide positions. And I've said that to you guys from the day he signed. So, um, yeah, let's see how that goes as well. Uh, but, yeah, decent performance for him. He came off at half time and was replaced by Marquinhos, who also gave quite a good account of himself as well. Missed um a shot from the edge of the box it was a great shot, um, which come off the top of the crossbar. Uh, but yeah, again, encouraging signs from him as well. Uh, Lokonga looked a bit better to me today as well, playing in the eight role rather than in the six role. Um, and we've had that conversation quite a bit in recent months about how that's probably the way to go with Lokonga. And that I don't think the club just yet are ready to give up on him. I think he will be here moving forward for a little bit longer. I think he'll get additional time to prove himself and to prove his worth. Uh, Gabriel, of course, got the opener. Good to see him uh, in the side as well. Uh, but one of the other players I really wanted to highlight, this is not going to be an awfully long episode because from friendlies, how much can you take away, really? Um, you know, but I think there were a few points that, that I really wanted to highlight off the back of this one. But I wanted to talk about Carl Hine 
Because obviously the last time we saw Carl Hine was against Brighton and he didn't have a great game in the Carabao Cup. Um, I was working on that game for BBC London and I remember uh, saying in the build-up to it that, um, you know, I was surprised that Carl Hine had got the nod. Um, and I was surprised that Carl Hine had been given the opportunity because he never seemed to get them in the lead up. And, you know, maybe the stars aligned that day with with Matt Turner's absence and all of that. And and Arsenal gave him that opportunity. But then I remember him messing up for one of the Brighton goals. Um, and then I remember sort of sitting there thinking on the night, man, you know, that you build up to this, you, you're desperate for this opportunity. And then you, you go and have a howler like that. And you're almost looking at the manager at that point and thinking, mate, like surely you've seen more from Carl Hine. Surely you've seen enough from Carl Hine in training to know that that is just a blip. That is just a, a difficult moment. And he's going to have to, you know, pick himself up and move on from it. And I think at the same time, sometimes those mistakes, they can, they can make you. You know, they can often break you, but they can make you as well. And I think that, you know, Carl Hine came into today's game, albeit a friendly, feeling a bit of pressure, feeling as if he had to to sort of justify selection and feeling as though he had to prove to Mikel Arteta that actually what he saw against Brighton, which was not a great performance, was a one-off. And that actually this guy is ready uh, to compete and to, to play some sort of role in the first team squad. He's Estonia's number one goalkeeper. I know it's not the biggest nation in the world. And so there isn't going to be, you know, a huge selection of goalkeepers. But, you know, to be an international and, and play for your country at that age, I think is is quite something. So, um, yeah, um, you know, good, good to see him in the side today. And I thought overall he had a good game. I thought he made a couple of um, really sort of, I'm not going to say they were good stops because, he wasn't really worked, but I thought he looked comfortable with the ball at his feet, which he didn't against Brighton. He looked really composed today. Looked like he was willing to take his time. Now, look, the difference is against Leon's side with Alexander Lacazette up front. You're not really going to get pressed and closed down in the way that you would against a Brighton side that are very enthusiastic, very energetic under Roberto De Zerbi. But, you know, he still looked composed on the ball and he clipped a couple of really nice passes out to the fullbacks, uh, which... Is something that Aaron Ramsdale does very regularly and something that is obviously a feature of our game. So it was good to see him, um, you know, taking on that side of it. And then in the penalty shootout, and for people asking why the hell there was a penalty shootout when Arsenal won 3-0, there's a ridiculous rule in this competition that every game has to have a penalty shootout at the end of it for added entertainment. And the winner of that shootout gets an additional point. So Arsenal essentially earned four points today uh, from from one game because they won uh, 2-1 on penalties as well. But Carl Hine goes into the penalties. And as a goalkeeper, I always think in penalties, you, you don't have an awful lot to lose. You know, if you don't save them, well, that's that's okay. The goalkeeper's not expected to save penalties. But if you do, you have an opportunity to make yourself a real hero. And again, although this isn't a competition of any prestige, of any significance, you know, it's no mean feat to go out as a goalkeeper into a shootout and save four penalties. That's what he did. Just the four. Carl Hine saved four penalties. And some of them were really good saves as well. But look, some of them were shit penalties. Um, I'll come on to talk about that in a minute as well, because we have to. But to guess the right way on so many occasions, I think is great. I think it shows that you can read people. 
I think as a goalkeeper, that's really important, especially in those one-on-one pressured situations. And so credit to Cole Heim, because not only did he give a good account of himself, um, you know, during the game, he, he obviously stepped up in the penalty shootout as well. The penalties were poor, um, generally speaking. Arsenal only had to take four. Uh, they missed two of them as well. Um, obviously, the worst Arsenal miss was was that of Catalin Chirian, who, listen, I'm a big fan of. I've said before that I think he's the one in that under-21 group that I think probably has the highest ceiling. He's the one for me that I think can go on and, and be a first-team regular in the not-too-distant future if he continues the way he is. He was out injured last season. He's bounced back brilliantly, had the pleasure of covering a couple of games he was involved in uh, for the Arsenal just a few weeks ago. And um, and I really like what I see. Um, and then, you know, again, OK, look, it's, it's almost a, a faux penalty shootout, right? Because it doesn't really matter. And that level of pressure that you get in the big shootouts, it wasn't there. So, you know, maybe this is a bit of a false kind of... Um, a false picture, a, a, a false indication of, of where he's at. But he stepped up to take a Penenka penalty, uh, which has become a bit of a thing now since, uh, well, it's been a thing for a while. But, I mean, sometimes we see them in, in really big occasions. We saw Ashraf Hakimi step up um, and do that for Morocco to put them through against Spain in the World Cup. And that was incredibly ballsy. That was incredibly brave from Ashraf Hakimi. But he's a senior pro. He's played at top clubs. He's been at Inter. He's been, you know, linked with Real Madrid and has been part of Real Madrid's setup, I believe, has been, uh, is now uh, at Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, you kind of expect that from someone like that. But I think for a young player like Chirian to step up and take a Penenka penalty and get it so bloody wrong, you know, it's not a good look. You know, it's not a good look. I think senior players... No, let me let me rephrase this. I think players earn the right to try things like that over their careers. And I think as a young player, if he scores it, you all sit there and you go, oh, my God, look at the confidence on this young man. It's admirable. It's beautiful. It's brilliant. But I look at it differently. I think at, at this point in your career, mate, just stick the ball in the back of the net. And he steps up to take the Penenka and he chips it straight down the middle. And, uh, and there it is. Easy, safe. Having said that, uh, Chakir... Um, if that's his name, the Leon man stepped up to take Leon's final penalty. And all he needed to do was score to keep the shootout going. And he too tried a Penenka, which he chipped straight into the arms <laughs> of Carl Hines. So when I said he saved four penalties, one of them was gifted to him. But my God, what was it with some of those penalties? The, the youngsters, I thought, really showed their inexperience on both sides, by the way. Uh, during that shootout, because I thought the standard of it was really poor. If you thought the shootout that involved Spain the other day was bad, if you thought the one that involved Japan uh, was bad as well, this is something to behold, I promise you. Check it out. Uh, the penalties were really, really poor. Um, the only kind of other talking point that I, I sort of noted down uh, while watching this game and, and something that I wanted to discuss on the podcast is what is going on with Alexander Zinchenko? Yeah, he's been riddled with injury problems uh, throughout the duration of the season. And he wasn't involved in the friendly against Watford behind closed doors. And now, um, and again, I beg your pardon, he wasn't involved today. Now, I did see him on the bench. So he is there and he is, I'm assuming, taking part in some training because we haven't heard anything to the contrary. But is there concerns over his fitness? Again, are Arsenal worried about something? That is not a good sign because he 
just like Jesus, has been a really transformational player for us. We've got away with not having him for periods of time because we've got pretty good cover in Kieran Tierney. But at the same time, um, you know, I think when he does play, he gives us something different. Something that Kieran Tierney, I'm sorry, just isn't capable of giving us. And that's that control of football matches because of his ability to step in field, join the midfield, to pick out passes, to give us rhythm, tempo, his experience, his winning mentality, all of the above is very, very important. Um, but I am a little bit concerned about what's going on with Alexander Zinchenko. I don't know uh, if there's any further detail on that. I wonder if Mikel Arteta would be asked about it post-match. We shall see. Um, but yeah, that was the only other real talking point for me. A dominant Arsenal performance, um, a very good Arsenal performance. Uh, wholesale changes made in the second half. A lot of the young lads managed to get on as we expected would be the case. And I was saying it in my live watch along, you know, although there isn't pressure, although it's a friendly, to be able to give these lads a taste of, of a match like this, to be able to give them an indication and a sign um, and, and a showing that, you know, first team football is not a million miles away from the, for them if they do the right things and keep progressing, I think is great. And I think it's great management. Um, you know, they get to go along because of how many uh, players are, of course, away on international duty. We should start slowly getting some of those guys back, which will obviously help. Um, but yeah, against Milan on Tuesday, we'll be doing the same thing. We'll do a stream. We'll do a live watch along uh, of the game. And then we will bring you some reaction uh, to the game like we're doing today shortly afterwards as well. Uh, could I just ask if you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video. Uh, there is uh, nearly 400 of you with me live right now. There's no reason why we shouldn't have at least a couple of hundred uh, likes on the video. So please do like, 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 and also subscribe because as I said, at the top of the show, we're less than 300 subs away from hitting that 25,000 milestone, which I really want to get. I'll be so proud when we get there. I'll be so proud. Look, in 2020, right, August the 10th, 2020, I've got it up on my wall because I got some sort of, someone printed me a certificate thing. On August the 10th, 2020, so that's what, two and a half years ago? Yeah. Is that right? Is it 2022 now, 2023? Yeah. On August the 10th, 2020, we hit 5,000 subscribers. So in two and a half years, not even two and a half years, two years and four months, we could have potentially times that by five. That is unbelievable growth. And that's all thanks to you guys. And that's just the YouTube community. That's not even including all the lovely, wonderful people that tune in uh, via the podcast of which there are plenty because our download numbers on there are incredible as well. So thank you uh, to every single one of you. I just want to say that from the bottom of my heart. Um, so please do like, please do subscribe. And also, if you fancy becoming a member, if you want to go that step further and support and get access to our premium content, you can do so via the information in the description below. And as I say, um, for those of you that sign up and those of you that are currently existing members, I'll be logging in at the weekend and gifting you all two months free membership to say thanks it's my christmas present to you all so um yeah happy days uh thank you all so much arsenal defeated leon by three goals to nil and on penalties as well in the very prestigious special sublime amazing brilliant dubai super cup and so we're on our way dubai super cup you'll never sing that i'll catch you all soon until next time take care cheers guys goodbye i'm martin tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.